0: Imagine That Studios
1: and Koru Studios,
0: in association with Harper Voyager Books, presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 2, the official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. At a glance, that appears to be one of Axelrod's creations. Really? How do you know? Simple. It's flamboyant, gaudy, completely over-designed and over-manufactured, and on first sight its function is completely and totally unknown. Trademark Axelrod. What is it with you and R&D? Axelrod's quite brilliant, you know. For a Schlockwork, work, I'm impressed. His devices do not fall apart, as with the lost scrolls of Alexandria in a gale-forced wind. Do you know in his workshop, he actually has schematics for some flying city. Project Amperstam, he calls it. I hope the bloody thing comes with parachutes.
1: Well, what about Dr. Blackwell?
0: I have nothing against Josepha. Josepha?
1: Did you two have...
0: an encounter? That's one way of putting it. Yes, Miss Braun. Yes.
1: Women of the Empire by J.R. Blackwell Wellington Thornhill Books told himself, for the third time, that there was nothing to be afraid of. Yet he found himself paused outside the ministry labs, unwilling to knock on the door. He looked again at the card that had summoned him from the archives. Agent Books, your services are required in the lab. Urgent! Urgent! Come immediately, signed, Dr. Blackwell. He had been working late when he received this missive, and knew that he was now only one of a small number of agents in the building. Yet the message had been directed clearly at him. It was his duty to assist other agents, and if he was urgently needed, then he would go. And surely there was nothing to be afraid of within the very walls of the ministry, not to mention that Dr. Blackwell was an agent herself. Yes, Dr. Blackwell had covered him in bubbles the last time they met, but that had caused no lasting damage. Even his suit had made it out of the experience relatively unharmed, but for the slight fragrance of honey. And yes, there were stories about Dr. Blackwell, rumors of bloodthirsty flora and explosive contraptions, but Wellington books did not trade in idle gossip. Dr. Blackwell was odd, of course, all spectacles and rubber gloves. But one could say that about most agents in the ministry. It took extraordinary people to staff this institution, and sometimes that kind of intelligence and daring allowed for a bit of oddity. Thus steeled, Wellington rapped on the entrance to the lab. Dr. Blackwell opened the door, and Wellington saw, with some alarm, that the rubber gloves on her hand were covered with some kind of grey goo. "'Have I interrupted something?' he asked. "'Because
0: I would be willing to come back if this is an inopportune time.'
1: "'No,' she said, motioning for him to come inside. "'I've been expecting you.' Dr. Blackwell was wearing entirely black, a very somber and unfashionable look for a young woman, and her skirt seemed to be singed at the ends. But it was, all in all, modest attire. Wellington appreciated that at least some agents in the ministry cared about modesty.' She had round spectacles, and her long hair was held in a practical low bun at the back of her head. She looked like a young woman wearing the costume of an elderly widow.
0: "'Your note said it was urgent,'
1: said Wellington, stepping inside the lab and looking around. Dr. Blackwell's lab was covered with odd contraptions, a chair with leather straps, a small desk covered with papers— and tables which had all manner of chemicals in neatly arranged vials upon them. It was clearly organized chaos, and the sight of it unnerved Wellington. Dr Blackwell took off her gloves. It is urgent. I need you to allow me to restrain you in this chair, she motioned to the high backed chair with straps, and allow me to use your body for my experiments. I say! cried Wellington. My research requires a living body, said Dr. Blackwell, throwing up her hands. Doctor, I don't doubt that you— hysteria," said Dr. Blackwell, taking his arm in her hands, is a real illness and requires proper treatment. Her eyes were wide and wild. Wellington took a step back, but she did not let go of him.
0: "'Doctor, I am not calling your conclusions in question.
1: I simply—' She stepped toward him, her body nearly touching his, her face looking earnestly up into his own. "'Wellington Books, would you deny the Women of the Empire relief?' Wellington wondered how he could extricate himself from this inappropriate closeness. "'Of course not, Dr. Blackwell, but I failed to see—' Dr. Blackwell jabbed a finger into his chest. And yet, here you stand, unwilling to assist them. Wellington realized he needed to take hold of the situation. He took her hands into his, as one might a child, and spoke slowly.
0: Josepha Raven Blackwell, I am not unwilling to assist you. I simply do not understand what you want me to do.
1: Oh, said Dr. Blackwell, blushing. You are not... Familiar with my research? Wellington shook his head.
0: I am familiar with what you've done for the Ministry in terms of Ether Accelerators, but not your work into... (coughs) Hysteria.
1: Dr. Blackwell took a step back and curtsied slightly. Oh, I am sorry, Agent Books. I didn't understand your reticence. He sighed.
0: (laughs) Apology accepted, madam. Apology accepted. (laughs) It's just... Just that you called me to your lab after hours, and I didn't know what you wanted of me. That's all. Oh,
1: it all makes sense now, said Dr. Blackwell. Of course. She smiled sweetly and opened a large cabinet. Are you familiar with hysteria, Mr. Books? Agent Books nodded. He had read enough of medical literature to know the basics of common disorders.
0: "'I know it is a medical condition that affects mostly unmarried ladies.'"
1: Dr. Blackwell nodded. "'That is true. It has been documented as far back as ancient Egypt, where they believed its cause was the uterus relocating in the body.'" Books felt a heat in his cheeks and wished for a cup of tea to cool down. He looked around for a teapot. There was something that looked like it might have once been a teapot on a shelf— but now it had a variety of tubes weaving in and out of it he gave up on the idea dr blackwell continued of course now we know that is all false the uterus hardly moves at all she put her hands over her stomach we now know that hysteria which can cause restlessness overeating undereating hair loss fainting distraction madness illogical thinking and discomfort can be treated I was a pioneer in this research. Some years ago, I created a device to calm the humors of women and put them back into their right minds. Wellington smiled to himself. The Ministry always hired the best and the brightest. A
0: noble endeavor,
1: said Wellington. Dr. Blackwell seemed lost in thought, a smile at the edge of her lips, her eyes distant and dreamy. Did it take a lot of testing? Yes, it absolutely did. Did I have to experiment with a variety of speeds and tempos and shapes to get it right? Yes. She looked at him directly, her face firm. But it was in the name of science books, and I would sacrifice everything for science. Ah, science, thought Wellington. Good old reliable science. Nothing to fear here. She wanted his help with science, perhaps some research. Of course, who to come to for research but the librarian? Yes, her ways of expressing herself were different, but now it all made sense. He sighed with relief.
0: Doctor, I am at your service.
1: She pulled a box out of the cabinet and handed it to Wellington. Sir, I am glad to hear it. On behalf of the women of the Empire, I thank you. Books opened the ornate wooden box and, for a moment, was unsure of what he was looking at. Encased in padded velvet was a foot-long, tapered, highly polished wooden tube that seemed to curve gently and, oh dear Lord in heaven, Books slammed down the top of the box. Madam! he exclaimed. I know, said Dr. Blackwell. It is amazing, isn't it? books felt his cheeks boil it is she took the box in her arms and held it to her chest the salvation of so many women across our little island i know i received many accolades for its invention wellington held up his hand madam i dr blackwell seemed not to hear him as she paced the floor but some women despite this device resist efforts at a cure Surely, said Wellington, but doctor Blackwell did not appear to hear him. She looked at the box sadly. I believe that this device, though it services most, does not fit everyone. Doctor Blackwell, you cannot mean. Doctor Blackwell pushed the box back in her cabinet. Sometimes a woman appears cured for a while, but then the symptoms resume. She turned to face Wellington, her face determined. "'I have to find a way to help these poor unfortunates.'
0: "'I know you want to help,
1: but—' "'She approached him, one step at a time, backing him into a corner. "'I have a theory that what they need is variety. "'One size does not fit all, and some require more advanced treatment. "'I believe that creating a mold from a real-life gentleman is the only way to progress.' "'Madam!' cried Books, his back hitting the wall.
0: This is simply inappropriate. Surely there is someone better suited. Isn't it true that you have a special relationship with Dr. Axelrod? I am an archivist. He is a man of science.
1: Surely Agent Axelrod can provide you with what you need. Dr. Blackwell took books by the arm. Oh, if only it were that simple, books. But he is just too big. Wellington felt faint. Madam, are you implying... How would you even... She looked confused. Well, sir, it is obvious to anyone with eyes that your forearm is smaller than Agent Axelrod's. Wellington paused. My... My forearm? Dr. Blackwell turned her head to the side. Yes, of course. What did you think I meant? Book scratched his head.
0: "'You are saying you need a mold of my forearm?'
1: "'She nodded. "'Yes, for science.' "'Wellington laughed, which made Dr. Blackwell wrinkle her forehead in surprise. "'Then he shook his head, removed his jacket, (laughs) and rolled up his sleeve. "'Well,
0: certainly!' "'He
1: held out his arm.
0: "'My forearm, Dr. Blackwell, at your service for science.'
1: "'Dr. Blackwell directed him to the high-backed chair with the straps.' If you would just sit there, sir. Book sat in the chair, which, on closer inspection, had large armrests that were made of metal. Dr. Blackwell flipped open the large armrest on the left side to reveal a tube that he could slide his arm into. The tube was metal and had a clear glass bulb at the end, through which his hand was visible. Book slid his left arm in, and Dr. Blackwell strapped his shoulder to the chair. It's just to keep your arms still as the solution sets, she explained. Of course, said Wellington. Lovely. Now, before I pour the moulding solution in, would you be so kind as to position your hand thusly? She held up her hand and squeezed her fingers and thumb close together so that her hand formed a pointed shape, the middle finger at the top and sloping downwards. Of course, said Wellington. Fantastic. Dr. Blackwell closed the cylinder so that it was air tight around his forearm. Now, I will start the flow of the molding solution into the device. She switched on a lever, and grey goop began running through a tube into the cylinder, flowing around Book's hand. Huh! said Wellington in surprise. It's warm. For your comfort, said Dr. Blackwell. You have thought of everything, said Wellington. Now that the actual science had begun, Wellington saw there was nothing to fear. He had allowed rumors about Dr. Blackwell to get in the way of her creating a mold of his arm, a harmless pursuit, likely a study of anatomy in some way. He resolved never to allow fear to get in the way of progress again. When the cylinder was full, Dr. Blackwell pulled a lever to stop the flow of goop and books felt it tightening and hardening around his arm and hand.
0: Dr. Blackwell,
1: said Wellington, I am
0: always, of course, happy to offer you a hand.
1: (laughs) He laughed a bit at
0: the wordplay. But I must admit that having seen your... He coughed. (laughs) ...previous invention, I cannot imagine what making a mold of my hand and forearm is going to do to assist you. Dr. Blackwell looked confused. Whatever do you mean? Well, I can. You see, I have read many books on certain topics, and I understand how physiology works. So I understand what your device is used for. <laughs> However, I cannot imagine how making a mold of, of, my, of, of my,
1: my, my arm... He looked down at his arm.
0: Oh, dear God! God!
1: In science, Agent Books, we must appropriate things in a different way from their intended purpose. Wellington saw black spots in front of his eyes. So you are going to use my arm to... The women of the Empire thank you, Books. Wellington slumped over the chair in a faint. Oh dear, said Dr. Blackwell, unlocking his arm. Well, at least the mold is made. She brought out her smelling salts and looked at books sympathetically. Science wasn't for the faint of heart.
0: J.R. Blackwell is a writer and photographer. Her essay, Evidence of a Baker, was published in the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster in March 2006, Her stories since then have been published by Escape Pod Magazine, Bewildering Stories, Static Movement Magazine, EMG Magazine, Heavy Glow Magazine, and in the first potty book anthology, Voices, New Media Fiction, edited by Murr Lafferty. J.R. has produced the covers to the anthology Voices, New Media Fiction, and the novels Playing for Keeps, The Case of the Singing Sword, and The Case of the Pitcher's Pendant. J.R. is the Creative Director at Galileo Games and holds a Master's of Liberal Arts from the University of Pennsylvania. She lives in Philadelphia with her husband, artist and writer, Jared Axelrod. Theme music composed and performed by Alex White. Find out more at thegearheart.com.
1: For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, pre-order your copy of The Janus Affair, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, or order Phoenix Rising, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, from your favorite bookstore, or online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, the iBookstore, or the Science Fiction Book Club.
0: This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, sharealike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org tales in the archives and
1: imagine that studios coru studios harper voyager production
0: i'm t morris
1: and i'm philip ballantyne thank Thank you for listening. listening